Sal Condalusi and the Call Me Al podcast, uh, um, sponsored by Connect Community, uh, providing services to folks with brain injuries in uh, Vancouver area as well as the Hamilton, Ontario area. And we appreciate Connect Community's uh, support of the Call Me Out podcast. Um, today, we have a really fun show um, planned. Uh, uh, I'm with my good friend, Cindy Vogan. And Cindy has, is the executive director of the uh, organization Whole Life Services uh, in the uh, in the Hermitage, Sharon, Shenango Valley area, Mercer County, Pennsylvania. And Cindy um, has been uh, providing services and supports for a lot of years, uh, but was the founder of Whole Life Services. Uh, Cindy was, uh, uh, was essentially uh, instrumental in launching this very forward-thinking organization in 2001. So, Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Delighted, delighted that we have this opportunity. And Cindy and I have been friends for a number of years. Uh, through met through Robert Morris University, uh, where we were both involved in a in a program there, and and have uh, uh, been aligned um, since then, <clears throat> and in fact uh, involved right now in doing some really interesting uh, pilot project. Uh, looking at the whole community engagement agenda. Uh, we may get into that as we move through, but I want to not only welcome Cindy to the show, but would like to send, tell, tell the, um, the audience a little bit about, you know, your background. Well, I was working at a sheltered workshop, and I had enjoyed working there for several years, and I was writing goals for subcontract, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it started to get quite boring for me, which made me wonder how boring it was for the people that I was serving and supporting. And I started to think about what we were calling behaviors that they had. And I thought, is it really a behavior or is it to avoid doing this work and yeah. all that type of philosophical stuff. So I said that I can stay here and be unhappy and complain, mm -hmm. or I can go do programs the way that I think that they should, should be. be done. Yeah. And that's what I chose to do. Mm. Nice, nice. So that was when, uh, 2000 or so, when, mm -hmm. you, yes. when you left and you launched your... Tell, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about the genesis of Whole Life. Like, how, how did you start it? Like, how did that happen? Well, I had actually went, I had been sent by where I used to work to a training on person-centered planning. Mm -hmm. And the people who led that training were Mary Jo Alamino Caruso mm -hmm. and Kathy Lee. Right. Um, Kathy Lee was working in supports at the time. And in their presentation, they said, this path plan we can use to build a life that's meaningful for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities can be used for many reasons, clubs or organizations or people wanting to start a business. Mm -hmm. And the light went off yeah. right there. Mm -hmm. And they were kind enough to let me and a colleague go to lunch with them. Mm -hmm. And I came back from that really changed. Mm -hmm. And I gathered people that I worked with and mm -hmm. that um, also went to church with me. And we gathered in my church basement mm -hmm. 
and some uh, Kathy Lee uh, came down from supports, and we made a plan to launch Whole Life. I'll be darned. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And 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 so it you know it, it just came from this sort of energy that you had and this passion that you had about you know how things could be could be different. Did you then, you, you, you created, uh, what, the backdrop? Would you do a mission statement? And, and I mean, how, uh, how did it actually take off? Like, how did it? Well, at that time, the state of Pennsylvania had put out what they called the invitation to qualify mm-hmm. so that people could become providers because yeah. I believe they wanted to increase quality yes. by people being able to have more choices. Sure. So we just started to research how we went about doing that. Mm-hmm. So we had our form. Okay, so you went through these formal steps in order to get um, the organization sort of initiated. And um, th- th- did you announce things? Uh, did you, you know, how did you begin to get the community to know of your of your programs and of your services. I mean, how did that sort of actually uh, happen after you had formally put the, uh, the you know the structure of the organization together? Well, in order to receive um, our first referral, you know, we had to have a person that we could begin to work with. When I had left the other agency, a family had called and they were nervous and they're like, what are we going to do? Where are you going? Mm. And I said, well, I'm starting an agency of my own. Mm. And they said, our son will be the first person that you serve. So we were able to take him into our program. And with that one person and um, the budget that he had, we were able to grow from there. And actually... We just started to receive referrals from word of mouth between families and also uh, groups like supports coordination Mm -hmm. units that do refer people for services. And it just caught on and started to grow from there. Mm. And so here it is now, uh, 19 years later. And uh, the organization has kind of really grown and matured. You, you now are serving, what, about 100 individuals with disabilities in your At any your given life? time, we have between 90 and 100 people. Um, sometimes people move away or mm-hmm. they may choose to go to another agency mm-hmm. and then someone else may come. But yeah. we, we float between 90 and 100 people. Okay, right. And you have a staff complement of how many at this point providing services to you? The, you know, the men and women that you reach out to? We have 115. Oh, wow. Um, we do a lot of one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And um, in our homes that we have, um, individualized homes, we don't have more than two people in a mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel that provides more of a normal lifestyle sure, sure, for people than living sure, in, a, in a large group. Sure, sure. And what's, what's the budget you're working with right now, Cindy? Um, our budget is about five and a half million dollars wow. now. Started Fine. with forty-four thousand and mm-hmm. five and a half Gee, million. <laughs> such a such an interesting story. And the reason I I'm asking these questions is because a lot a lot of people sort of broach in their mind. I think I could do it better, or you know, I I have a better way, or I can't believe this organization is doing this. I, if I was in, you know, if I was doing this, uh, it would be different. 
And you did that. <laughs> you know, you actually, um, you actually just sort of said, I, I can do it better. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, every time I, I come to visit Whole Life, um, the culture uh, is so accepting and respecting. Uh, I, you know, you just feel it the minute you walk into into your uh, your 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 offices, your base center. And um, tell me a little bit about your strategy to maintain such a vibrant, almost a loving culture. What you know? Is there anything specific that you look to do, or? Is this just Cindy spilling out? <laughs> um, I think that one of the most important things is we have a very flat style of management structure. Um, we think about working mm-hmm. together. We're mm-hmm. not hierarchical. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to empower our employees mm-hmm. that start on a direct care level to develop their own programs based on the interests of their people that they serve. Everything we do is person-centered. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they have the opportunity for upward mobility mm-hmm. because they develop their own projects, and I trust them to do that. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of exciting things going on People feel valued. The people that we serve are right alongside us every day. They don't have a special place that they sit or that they eat or anything that they do. They are with us. We are together. And um, when people come in, people do say, oh, I want to come work here. Mm -hmm. And they're not even in our field. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, allowing staff giving them the power to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. it's not work to them. Yeah. They yeah. enjoy coming. Yeah. It's like Right. Yeah. Friends, family, um, we're not in it for money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're happy. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself creates a welcoming yeah. environment. Yeah. That's, I mean, th- th- there's, a, there's a genius behind that, Cindy, in that you're you know, your sense of not just empowering, but valuing everyone and, you know, creating this really inclusive, um, this inclusive culture has really been powerful. But the other thing that I really respect and marvel about, you know, the work that you do is really the investment you make, the personal investment you make in your community. You know, uh, I've had the good pleasure of, of tagging along with you on, uh, on, on, on some of the um, uh, calls that you make and your involvement with your community, um, I think is really another reason why your organization has been so successful um, because you know so many people and they know what you do, but what you stand for is really this sort of inclusive sense of the, of the valley. And, and I think that really really pays uh, dividends. Um, what do you think is the greatest challenge, though, that Whole Life has before it as an organization or that you have before you as the CEO of Whole Life? What, 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 what challenges do you see at this point? On the community level, I think it would be for people to understand that we are looking for a place at the table. Um, mm-hmm. 
You know, anything that goes on here, any business that opens, any group that forms or activity that starts to go on, the people that we serve being part of the community should be a part of that as well. Mm -hmm. And so when people say to me, why would your organization sponsor an activity like Mm -hmm. like we had a rising Rust Belt uh, conference? And the answer is, if that's going on, people that we serve can be there and Mm -hmm. and get as much out of it as anybody else. So that first issue is just having the community understand that we want our our folks out Mm -hmm. and we're not going to be tucked away in a a building Mm -hmm. like off the beaten path somewhere. Um, The second thing I would say that is challenging is we can have all the creative ideas that we want and the, the the means to do them and we can conquer that community piece. Some of the rules that we have to follow, Mm -hmm. rules and regulations that we follow, often even get in the way Mm -hmm. of what the intended outcome is supposed to be. And and that can become very frustrating. But we just need to keep open lines of communication Mm -hmm. and try to tell people um, that are in authority in our field, this is what would help, this is what would work, and Mm -hmm. chip away at that a little at a time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that that can-do spirit and that find another way, if this path isn't working, we'll sort of create another path, has certainly, I think, been a part of your philosophy and it's it's been so you know successful um, as you have as you have been carrying it out. Um, you, you know, as the as the CEO, um, how do you balance the hands-on stuff that really you're so good at, and you know you know what's going on in your organization, and you're 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 personally involved in that, but yet. You also need to empower and allow people uh, to do the things that they need to do and perhaps make mistakes if, if that comes along the Absolutely. way. That's a balancing act. And what, tell, tell me a little bit about how you try to address that. Like, what, what you know, uh, how do you know when to back off and when to lean lean forward or lean in um, as as your organization is endeavoring to do something? It's really only been the past three years, mm-hmm. and so we're 19 years old. So think first 16 years, I had a hands-on in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But the past three years, mm-hmm. once I felt that I had um, mature managers mm-hmm. where I knew that they understood the philosophy and the way that we do things, that we are person-centered, that we respect each other, the people we serve, the other staff, I was then able to feel comfortable that I could get out from behind my desk. And I knew that I had to get out from behind my desk and get into the community if I was gonna find opportunities for inclusion. So there's trust Mm -hmm. and when they're is an issue or somebody needs my help, I make time for them to go over it. Mm -hmm. And also I do still have to make that time to be with the people that we serve. And I try to really touch base with them and do that so that 
I'm visible and and accessible. Mm -hmm. And I'm really still learning. Mm -hmm. Like when you ask me that question, I sometimes go to myself, how am I going to do this today? And, <laughs> and I just have to take it, you know, one day at a time. And, and I'm still learning how yeah. to keep that balance. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're uh, listening to the um, Call Me Al podcast sponsored by the Interdependence Network and, and um, um, uh, through a generous gift uh, from Connect Community uh, in Vancouver and Hamilton, Ontario area. We're speaking with... Cindy Vogan, the executive director, or CEO, if you will, of Whole Life Services, a, uh, a comprehensive uh, support system in um, the Shenango Valley, which is up in the uh, northwestern um, sector of uh, Pennsylvania. As Cindy has been, uh, she found the founder of Whole Life in 2001, and we're just kind of going over and talking a little bit about some of the strategies of leadership and developing and nurturing uh, of culture. Um, Cindy, you know, we talked about uh, the, the 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 challenges that that are that are looming out there, still out there. And one of the things that you had mentioned was um, paperwork. The, uh, you know, the becoming more onerous. The paperwork, and of course, we're in the state of Pennsylvania. We're having this interview um, up at at Whole Life um, in northwestern Pennsylvania, and and you know, I have a familiarity with the state of Pennsylvania from work that I did uh, with the organization that I was with for many years, Class. Um, but sometimes those regulations are really onerous, and sometimes they actually work against what we're trying to accomplish in terms of people ha- having meaningful um, engagement opportunities in the community. Um, what Do you ever see that, I don't know, lessening? Do you see some of those regulatory sort of paperwork obstacles lessening down the road, or you see those continuing and maybe even becoming more onerous. What's, what's, what's in your crystal ball as it relates to uh, you know, funding streams, especially state and federal funding streams, and their expectations of providers like Whole Life? Right now, I would honestly say it just seems to be coming, continue to be more difficult. Mm. Um, once we learned something, and we figure out how to do it right, what a regulation is, what um, is expected now in training, something changes. Mm -hmm. And then we have to retrain everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to keep up with. And and some of the rules about um, around having people in the community and and how many people can be in one place together. And if people who are from different programs can even be receiving services out in the community at the same place, a lot of those things that I know are meant for a reason, Mm -hmm. um, they can be Mm over-regulated and it makes it even more difficult to do. Yeah. Do you want me to give you an example? Yeah, please, please. So this would be a a kind of a a strange one, but so job coaching is a service that's offered Mm -hmm. and community participation is a service that is offered. Mm -hmm. So there's a person job coaching, uh, receiving job coaching services at Burger King. 
and that's unlicensed services. Mm -hmm. And so three people leave our adult training facility and go in the community. So if they go to Burger King, does that mean they have to leave because another service is being offered yeah. at Burger King? Yeah. Now, that's kind of a, right, right. a wild example, but, but, still. but that is a rule. Or, right. and, and so it, I understand the part of it that we don't want what is in a facility to be duplicated outside of the facility mm -hmm. by just taking everybody there someplace else, yeah. and then they're hanging out congregately there. Mm, right. But sometimes it is so strict that it actually does get in the way. And uh, But I think we can continue to work at that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have to. And that there's no question that, you know, the partnership with the funding source is a critical piece of the equation. Um, and, and maybe uh, leaders like you uh, need to make sure that, that the... Um, the state officials who are at the core of of contracts with with organizations that provide human services uh, really understand and and can uh, can relate to some of the handcuffs that come uh, by way of uh, by way of uh, uh, of these regulations. Can I interject, sure. now, though, that I think sometimes within the provider community, and I'm just being real, mm -hmm. there are providers that take advantage of things or they start to do something in a way that then makes a regulation get introduced and it ends up being applied to everybody. Yes. Yeah. So I think some of that comes out of a desire um, from the people who write these policies to stop something from happening right. and then it makes an unintended consequence. Right. Of something yes, else. So else. I do yeah. have to say that providers also have to take responsibility for what they are doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's really a, that's really a, a fair uh, point that needs to be to be underscored. It is a partnership and it's a two way street. Um, you know, we've had conversations in the past about meaningful community engagement. We know that. Um, Funders, whether they be the state or the federal government or or the province or wherever you find yourself uh, providing services and are receiving funds, um, we all want the same thing, right? The family and the individual we serve, the funding stream, our staff, we want to see people successful in community, right? And having a meaningful life. Uh, and 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 yet... We both know, by virtue of, of of reality, that many, many people with disabilities, and especially intellectual uh, disabilities and developmental disabilities, really are not as connected in community as as we would like to be. Um, can you can you uh, share a story uh, of connection for something you've seen that really has shown? that, you know, this can work, that, that people um, who have significant disabilities can, in fact, uh, take their meaningful and rightful place in our community. Is there a story you might be able to share that shows that this can happen? There is. It's one I always like to tell. And if you see, like, it gives me goosebumps every time yeah. that I think about it. Um, 
where I worked before, there was a person that we served and he had some challenging behaviors. And, and now that I'm working um, in my agency, he was referred to come to our agency. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, he can sure. come. Right. And um, this person has autism and he doesn't talk and he has had some aggression mm-hmm. in the past. And so one would use him as example of, well, that kind of person is never going to get a yeah, job. Right. Like he would be one. He he doesn't even know how to behave in a situation, let alone yeah. have a job and yeah. be around people. Yeah. And that is just not true. Mm-hmm. It was about finding what was important to him, mm-hmm. connecting him to mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So in a conversation we were having with his mother, she said, well, when he gets upset at home, I just have him peel potatoes. And we were like, peel potatoes. So we started to have him do some things that involve peeling potatoes. And we were working with another company um, on some projects that happened to be a catering company. Mm-hmm. Well, catering mm-hmm. companies often need potatoes <laughs> peeled. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he works there now. Um, he's making seven fifty an hour. He does an excellent job. He does not have any problems with behaviors or relating. Everybody loves him. And so it's just example of where there were very low expectations for him. Hmm. And now just by getting to do something that he likes to do, that it feels productive, he likes money. Yeah, yeah, of and, course. Um, He's a happier person, and everybody yeah. Yeah. just everybody. loves him. <laughs> I know I do. Well, <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, you know that just kind of that whole intersection of finding someone's passion and then a way that that passion can be viable and vital in our community is just kind of the connecting of the dots. What a what a great story, and and um, I, I think on that positive story, we'll we'll. We'll call this interview to a close. We like to stay within a half an hour on our our interviews. Uh, So you're listening to the Call Me Out podcast, um, which uh, is uh, produced by the Interdependence Network and sponsored by Connect Community, uh, providing services to folks with brain injuries in the Vancouver, Langley area, as well as in uh, Hamilton, Ontario area. And uh, we've been talking with uh, Cindy Vogan, the executive director of Whole Life Services. Um, Cindy um, has been doing some amazing things. And so as we get ready to conclude, Cindy, uh, is there a website that you can give us that listeners who would like to learn more about Whole Life uh, can, can check it out and maybe even reach out and, and communicate with you? What's your, what's your uh, website? Our website is wholelifepa.org. There are YouTube videos there um, about things that we do. Um, It describes our programs. Um, Of course, you can see pictures of our staff, the people we serve, and and particularly there um, under Get to Work YouTube videos, there are stories from Hmm. staff and families and individuals called My Whole Life Story, where people talk about their experience. So if you go on the website, listen to those 
and yeah. those will show you what whole life's yeah. about. Beautiful, and and that um, that website will also link that to the um, Interdependence Network website, which is uh, buildingsocialcapital.org. So um, either go directly to the Whole Life uh, website, or you can go to buildingsocialcapital.org, and then you'll see the link. Uh, to whole life uh, services uh, uh, through that medium. Again, you're listening to the Call Me Al podcast uh, from the uh, produced by the Interdependence Network, and we appreciate you taking time with us today. And keep an eye out for the other podcasts that we have on iTunes and any w- major way that you get your podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great day. <laughs>